We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We go out to uh, one of the best to do it of the Monday morning quarterback, MMQB, on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline, the great Albert Breer. Albert, welcome, buddy. Hey, what's up, guys? Oh, Albert, what's up, buddy? We're living the dream. How about you? I'm good. I'm two days in. Um, more than a little worn out already. Um, and we got five days to go. Uh, four days to go. Four days to go. So just trying to stay upright. So I want to. I want to. <laughs> I want to paint a picture. When did you for wake you? up today, Albert? Um, no comment. <laughs> so I actually wanted to paint a picture for you because earlier I said I like to imagine you joining our show. From uh, from the combine in like an upscale, classy establishment. You've got a smoking jacket on. There's a cigar in hand, maybe a, a high end bourbon, and then there's like a a sixty ounce tomahawk sitting in front of you. Can you confirm or deny that's the optics we should have right now? Yeah, there's there's just a lot going on here. I would say Dustin's seen me at these sorts of events before, so he could probably go. Yeah, yeah. This is early, man. I mean, this is like. Uh, you know, a couple of days in. I mean, we we we've certainly hit hit the town in Mobile. Uh, how much different is the combine than Mobile? Is it is it about the same or is it uh, a little no, different? No, it's different. I mean, I, I would say Dustin, there are more people here. Okay. Um, generally, and even that seems like scaled back a little bit. But right. Um, you know, in the past, it had been like every coaching staff would be here, and you know that's not the case in Mobile. Like some teams send coaches, other teams don't. Um, you know, you'll get, you know, more executives, um, you know, every agent is here and the feel of it is, you know, like, yeah, it's about the college players, but it's also about, um, you know, like what's coming in the next few weeks. And so, you know, it's, you know, what, what's going to happen with free agency, franchise tags, trades, all of that stuff. And so, you know, like functionally for teams, like one of the biggest things this event is, is sort of setting yourself up for, you know, what's going to be happening when the league year starts on March 15th. And, um, you know, the same way, you know, like groundwork or the beginning of things can happen in Mobile. Here's where, I mean, even though it's probably not quite to the rules, um, this is where like a lot of, you know, business really starts to take shape. And, you know, a lot of times when there's a trade um, that, that that's going to happen, you know, a lot of the work is done here because so many people are in one place at one time. Albert, I, I do want to get to some of what we heard from Stefanski today, some Brown stuff, but what is the hottest rumor early on, or the, what is the buzz on Indianapolis early on? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say, like, one of the, the the biggest thing really kind of concerns, like, the veteran quarterback movement. Um, and what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers, of course, everybody here is waiting. Uh, my understanding is he hasn't really communicated much at all with the Packers. Um, so there's sort of... <laughs> 
I guess we could say everyone, but Aaron is now in the dark. Like he was in the dark. Now everybody else is, um, you know, and then, you know, I think after that, like you have the next tier of the quarterback market, which is where Derek Carr and Daniel Jones, and Jimmy Garoppolo and Geno Smith are. And I think, you know, the teams, the agents are having a hard time defining where, you know, the market for those players is going to be. Is it 20 million, 25 million, 35 million? Um, you know, I, and that's become kind of a challenge for everybody because there really isn't like any sort of middle class tier for starting quarterback contracts. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, along those lines, you have, um, you know, Derek Carr here in town and he's met with the Panthers and the Saints and the Jets and a decision could come there, but, you know, the Jets are still waiting on Rodgers. And so, you know, there are a lot of moving parts when it comes to veteran quarterbacks. Um, you know, what are the Titans going to do with Ryan Tannehill? You know, I, that's still an open question. And I think there even could be a curveball or two beyond that. So, um, you know, like obviously everybody's here to see Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson and, and Will Levis. But, you know, what happens with those guys is going to be materially affected by what happens on the veteran quarterback market. And um, That's where a lot of the talk with the teams has been this week. Albert, uh, we've talked a lot about this here in Cleveland because it affects us. Certainly, Lamar Jackson's status in Baltimore and what's going to happen with him. I know their their GM has talked about they've had conversations and things like that. Uh, how do you think that it ends up getting resolved here? I don't know that it does. I mean, I, it doesn't. It's it's hard. You know, like I, I if you're, I mean, I, there's part of me that looks at this and says they've had two years to do this. Like if there was a middle ground, wouldn't they have found it by now? You know, mm-hmm. I mean that's. Not like that's a Mickey Mouse operation. You know, the Ravens are Ravens have been a good team and, and good, you know, in the business of football for a long, long time. And obviously Lamar, you know, is a guy who won an MVP his second year in the league. Um and this is complicated of course by his playing style, you know, and, and now the fact that he's got some injury history and by the deal that Deshaun did, you know, for the with the Browns last year and what that means um for Lamar. And so, you know, I I think this is going to be, I mean, we're, we're hitting a really, really pivotal stretch here in that um, a week from yesterday, um, the, the Ravens are going to have to, make, have to make a decision on whether or not to put the exclusive or non-exclusive tag on him. Um, and then I think that shapes what happens the week after that. That's provided that they can't get a deal done before those dates. Um, and if it's the exclusive tag, well, that's $45 million. So can you negotiate a long-term deal off of that? If it's the non-exclusive tag, now we're talking about something else where other teams can start talking to him directly and can come in and get him for two first-round picks if the Ravens don't match whatever the offer sheet is. So um, a fascinating situation, like almost, you know, it's a little like like what Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins um, dealt with, you know, when they were when they were tagged. It's just it feels like this one's like a lot higher stakes than those were. And, um, you know, obviously the fact that this is a former MVP we're talking about ratchets it up, too. Albert, if the Ravens do go the non-exclusive route on the franchise tag, that means other teams, as you mentioned, can negotiate. And then if they strike a deal... Um, now, do the Ravens still have the opportunity to match they have there? matching rights. Okay. Yeah, they have All matching right. rights. But if if they do go that route, what what teams do you think would be... Uh, most chomping at the bit to try and get Lamar there? Well, the Jets, depending on what happens with Rodgers, I think would at least throw their hat in the ring. Um, the Dolphins are one that I think would maybe explore it. Now, they have to be careful, of course, because they've you know thrown a lot of weight behind Tua over the last year. But um, you know, I think that there's somebody, their team that would at least have to have the discussion 
um, you know, what a team like the Saints look at it. Like, they've always been aggressive. And, you know, I know Mickey Loomis has gotten a little older, and I, I think he wants to prove he can win without Sean Payton. And, you know, they've had unrest at that position since they lost, um, since they lost, uh, Drew, since Drew Brees retired. So, you know, I, I think it's the, the teams that you would expect that, that, that would be out there. And, um, you know, I, I think on the flip side of this, too, there are a few teams that I think are going to go the more economical route. Um, a quarterback and try it that way, you know, and like that be to me like a, the Raiders or um, the Falcons. Like I think that there are some teams that are going to look at this and say, you know, we're going to go the other way and we're going to, you know, maybe have a young quarterback compete against uh, maybe a, a, a Jared Stidham or a Baker Mayfield or somebody who's going to be on the third level of quarterback. So um, it sort of depends on how much you're planning to invest in. And obviously, you know, going and getting Lamar would mean making a massive, massive investment of not just, um, you know, a huge contract, but also picks. Albert Breer of the MMQB on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline live from Indianapolis on a, yet another hump day hit here. So Kevin Stefanski announced earlier today that he is going to call the plays in 2023. Now, if we remember, new defensive coordinator, new special teams coach, they did have movement on the offensive side of the ball. Do we know if Kevin Stefanski seriously entertained giving up play-calling duties or if they interviewed anybody to take that over in the event of losing Drew Petzing before hiring Bill Musgrave? Um, you know, I, I don't know how seriously Kevin considered uh, giving up play-calling, um, but I do think that you know, he was always going to be really involved on that side of the ball this particular off season because I think there is a, a recognition that maybe the traditional like Gary Kubiak style offense that they've run over Kevin's first three years in Cleveland isn't a perfect fit for Deshaun, you know, and so I, I think a lot of the, 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 the work is going to be done this off season to try to create an offense that's perfect for Deshaun. It would have been a little harder to do it last year, of course, because you were just getting to know Deshaun and you knew he was going to be out for the first twelve games. You know, this time they're locked in with him. They know he's going to be their quarterback in week one. And, um, and they know who he is as a player. And they've had him in the building for a while now. So, you know, I think what you're going to see is, um, you know, the, the Browns really working hard to put in different elements of what Deshaun's been good at over the course of his career, both in college and the pros. And you'll see him in the gun more, I think. You'll see some more spread concepts. Um, and I think Kevin was always going to be a huge part of doing that. So it makes sense that like, if you're going to go through that level of change and he's going to be that involved on the ground floor that he would at least start as a play caller. Albert, um, one talk this week was about restructuring Deshaun Watson's contract, um, you know, going forward and and all that stuff is, is what, what do you make of that? Is that, is that a pretty common thing? Yeah, I mean, like the conversions with uh, those contracts are relatively easy, you know, so that's common. And, you know, like I, I think with the cap going up pretty steady and expected to go up pretty steady over the next few years with revenue continuing to increase across the league. Um, yeah, there's there's no question that that's something that would be an option. Now, if I'm not mistaken, because he had such a low number last year, I think they finished the year with the most cap space in the league. I think it was like something like $40 million, right? So they're going to be able to carry that over as well. So, you know, I'm not sure that they're going to need to do a massive restructure with Deshaun just because they're going to carry over so much of the unused cap space from last year. But it's definitely something that's an option. And, you know, going forward, certainly, I think it's going to be something you're going to be hearing about on a year-to-year basis because 
Um, generally, that's how teams that have quarterbacks with top-of-the-market deals operate. All right, Albert, I'm going to give you a chance to to break through some mythology in the NFL and maybe break some news here on the air. And I don't want to put a lot of pressure on you. I know you already said you're a little tired day two in. Can I just get you to admit, like no other NFL reporter will, that the salary cap is a complete and utter myth? Myth is strong, um, but is it workable? Yes. Like any owner that wants to work the salary cap and is willing to write checks to do it can do it. Um, Now, like, again, there is punishment for doing these sorts of restructures and, you know, like taking a bunch of money and moving it into future years. And if you want a real illustration of that, look at the Bears last year, look at the Falcons last year. So, you know, those teams, because of what had happened under the previous regimes, had a ton of dead cap that they were eventually going to have to take care of, right? Buffalo went through this, too, at the beginning of Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean era, where in their second year they took on a ton of dead cap. Well, you know, last year, because, you know, the Falcons at the end of Thomas Dimitrov and Dan Quinn and the, um, and the Bears at the end of Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace um, had sort of gone all in to try and save their jobs, there was all of this, like, more or less credit card debt that they had to take care of. So, you know, what both those teams did, the Falcons and Bears, was they took it all on at once. And so last year, I believe the Falcons were carrying over $70 million in in salary cap um, debt. And so what does that mean? Well, that means about a third of their salary cap was devoted to players who weren't on the team, (laughs) you know. So I think that's like how you illustrate the way that this works. It's like you can keep doing it as long as you want eventually you're going to have to pay the piper. That debt doesn't just go away. And, um, you know, it often means for for these sorts of teams that there's going to be one year where they're really, really going to have to feel it and take on a lot of the pain for for some of the corners that they had to cut to keep teams together. All right. I totally hear you. You are smarter than I am. But can you please explain the Saints to me? They've been in salary cap hell for longer than half of our listening audience has been alive. Yeah. So, like, if you look at the Saints last year, I might look at some of the guys that they've had to let go, right? Like, so, I mean, you go back and you look, like Von Bell, Marcus Williams, um, Trey Hendrickson, like players they liked, right? Like, that's the subtle thing that people don't notice. Like, they go out and they sign guys, and, yeah, that's great. You know, and it's and it's helped them win. But what you don't see is a lot of times they can't afford to keep their own guys, um, and it's because you know in certain cases they're carrying dead cap. So, like say you know you had I don't know ten million dollars of dead cap off of Drew Brees, and that same off season you know Marcus Williams is a free agent, right? So he signs in Baltimore for fourteen million. Well, you know I think it's really easy to look at that and you can say okay like well part of the reason they couldn't keep Marcus Williams was because Drew Brees, you know, like they, they, they mortgaged Drew Brees' deal over and over and over again. Um, so like that, that's sort of the best way to explain it. Um, but it's easy to look up to. I mean, like, you know, a lot of these teams don't do the one time thing. So they'll pretty consistently be carrying $20 million in salary cap debt. And by the way, like owners have to be like, you have to have an owner who's willing to spend to do these things because, you know, you'll the, the way you convert money and, and move it forward and push it into future years is you turn, you know, you turn 
a guy's salary into a signing bonus, which means you've got to be willing to like stroke a, you know, seven figure check in most cases, um, about six months earlier than you would be spending that money. So there's a lot to it. And I probably put some of your listeners to sleep in explaining that, but hopefully <laughs> it was understandable to at least the two of you. <laughs> I mean, I understood it and I did lead you there. So you don't have to apologize. I probably should have to apologize. Albert, um, I, because the Browns are thought to be a team interested in the trade market again, looking at similar deals to Amari Cooper from last year, do we have an indication yet of the team's that are interested in selling or shedding veteran contracts the way Dallas did with Amari last year. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I have to, I'd have to go back and look honestly at like some of the teams that are over right now. Um, you know, but I do think like you know, you sometimes take advantage of teams that have new coaches. So, like, is Arizona looking to move a DeAndre Hopkins? Obviously, there's a tie there between DeAndre and um, and 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 Deshaun that would you know make a, make that a natural fit. Um, so they'd be one. Um, you know, I look at like um, I, 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 I would look at a team like you know a Houston. Is there, are there pieces there like a Brandon Cooks where it's like yeah, a new coaching staff coming in and they may want to clear the deck. So those are the teams I would look at without really drilling down on um, you know like on on, on where everybody's cap space and everything is because I don't have it right in front of me. Um, I'd say that that's probably what you want to look at. Albert, you're a gentleman. You grinded through an interview, though. You're kind of grinding through the week already. <laughs> Enjoy it. Rest up at some point. We appreciate the hell out of you, buddy. All right. Thanks, guys. Albert Breer was just on with us, and I asked him whether uh, we got any sense if Kevin Stefanski seriously considered uh, hiring somebody or outsourcing play calling, and then Albert went into why it might not make sense. I don't know how seriously Kevin considered giving up play calling, but I do think that, you know, he was always going to be really involved on that side of the ball this particular offseason because I think there is a, a recognition that maybe the traditional, like, Gary Kubiak style offense that they've run over Kevin's first three years in Cleveland isn't a perfect fit for Deshaun, you know? And so I think a lot of the work is going to be done this offseason to try to create an offense that's perfect for Deshaun. It would have been a little harder to do it last year, of course, because you were just getting to know Deshaun and you knew he was going to be out for the first first 12 games you know this time they're locked in with him they know he's going to be their quarterback in week one and they know who he is as a player and they've had him in the building for a while now so you know I think what you're going to see is the Browns really working hard to put in different elements of what Deshaun's been good at over the course of his career both in college and the pros and you'll see him in the gun more I think you'll see some more spread concepts and I think Kevin was always going to be a huge part of doing that so it makes sense that like if you're going to go through that level of change and he's going to be that involved on the ground floor that he would at least start as a play caller. Yeah, um, I, I guess that makes sense. But again, play calling to me, and I agree or disagree, I feel like play calling is more about what happens on Sunday than kind of implementing the offense and kind of the decisions they make. That kind of, I just feel like the, the I do think play calling is going to force him to be more in mm -hmm. on offensive side of the ball instead of. Again, 360, high level. I'm going to hop into everybody's meetings. Yeah, uh, listen, I, I think that in a in a, a perfect world, you like to have Stefanski be involved in kind of everything, but we do understand. I mean, he's a new, he's a first-time head coach. Like, this is new for him, right? I mean, to understand, you know, what this guy is, is having to, to deal with, I mean, it's it's a tough deal, but no one feels bad for the guy. He wants this, this, this um, opportunity to call plays, if it hurts him from being a head coach, 
He needs to recognize that. <sighs> There's some other really interesting things that Albert had to say. Uh, I thought his his take on the market for Lamar was interesting. Mm-hmm. He mentioned the Dolphins as a team that at least has to make a call if Lamar Jackson gets the non-exclusive tag. Yeah. If the Dolphins, I mean, one, it, it's it's that's a Stones move. You're putting them on the line if you are Mike McDaniel's and you are you know Chris Greer. If you entertain the idea of Lamar Jackson, or no, no, entertain the idea is one thing. You entertain a lot of ideas. If you move on from Tua for Lamar, because mm-hmm. I don't think like I, one, I don't think Tua's a franchise quarterback. They've got him in the perfect situation. You don't think Tua's a franchise quarterback? Not now, and I don't know he will be. I think he's a really good starting quarterback. I also think there's a chance he's just... I, I think Tua's got some issues with the concussions, but I think talent-wise, I think he's proven that a team can build around him and, and make him the, the cornerstone of the franchise. I need to see a little bit more. Because I wonder how much of last year was McDaniels just being a great coach. Kind of like what Jared Goff did early in his career mm-hmm. because of Sean McVay. And again, I'm not. those are different players. Yeah, Jared Goff came back and had a great year this year. Yeah, but I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. Fair. Okay. I, I mean, I think he is, but... Okay, so I, I just have, like, a sky-high bar for franchise quarterback. But, like, it'd be the biggest risk in Dolphins history. It'd be one of the biggest risks in Dolphins history. And I'm kind of here for it. Because Lamar Jackson has never played with Tyreek Hill mm-hmm. and Jalen Waddell. And I I don't know it works. I Listen, there's a, a, a good chance that you get those guys, Lamar gets hurt, and you, everybody gets fired next year. That's a kind of swing-for-the-fences move. That I think would be um, I good moves don't work out sometimes, right? But really, really brilliant, edgy moves don't always work out, right? I, if if I was in the NFL, those would be the kind of moves I'd be interested in. And you don't take them, you know. Maybe you get one of those moves or two of those moves per uh, per your reign as a head coach. But like, what has LA done? LA traded two first for Jalen Ramsey. Bold and edgy. They traded a bunch of picks for Von Miller. Bold and edgy. Mid-season, too. Um, the Matt Stafford trade. Incredible risk. Worked out, doesn't matter, you won a championship. I also thought the Saints, if the Saints were to get Lamar, I'm sorry, just take away the salary cap. It doesn't exist anymore. Uh, other you tried things, to get Albert to say that. He kind of did. He said, because I had asked him if it's a myth. He said, myth is hard, but he didn't use this word, but it's the word that I associate with the word that he used that I can't remember. Basically malleable. Okay. You can work with a salary cap. And he kind of got into some of the machinations with the, with the Browns there. And I asked him the question about what teams are viewed at, that might sell or shed veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I asked him because I don't know we're we're going to know yet. I think hearing Albert say, well, the only two that I can think of right now are with specific veterans. The Cardinals with DeAndre Hopkins and Houston with Brandon Cooks. I think it's a te- like this week's going to be really instrumental if there's a veteran trade out there that makes sense for, for the Browns. Because I think there are probably 10 teams right now making really difficult decisions whose owners are not will- willing to pass the buck financially the way Jimmy Haslam has consistently. Mm-hmm. And... I think by the end of the, the week, the reports will be out there about what teams. And again, we'll think about it from the Browns' angle. 
So that maybe that's what, that the Browns can maybe target to find the right vet to get kind of like what you had with Amari last right. year. Yeah, I mean, who's the, who's the right vet? I mean, I, I've been saying it for a minute. It is, De, it, it is DeForest Buckner. To me, it's not a wide receiver. To me, the right guy is either an affordable center, like what Alex Mack was at the end of his career, if you don't think he can sign Posick. It's a veteran safety on like a, a young team that's not going to win, it, that maybe is expensive and they just want to get something for him so they can justify moving on from him. So any of the teams, by the way, because Atlanta, if Atlanta's going in with Desmond Ritter next year, it tells me that Atlanta might not be setting up to be the most competitive. If Vegas is really just going to bring in uh, a, a, a cheap veteran to contend with Jared Stidham for the job, it tells me Vegas is not seriously considering contending next year. They might win because they got talent elsewhere, but if you're if you're nickel and diming the quarterback position this year without taking a quarterback with a top fifteen pick, mm-hmm. to me it says, all right, we're we're just going to let the chips fall and we're going to you know kind of use this year as a an evaluation year. Those are the teams. Tennessee might be another team. So like, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see once the quarterback smoke starts to where Derek Carr goes, where Lamar goes, where um, Ryan Tannehill, if he goes. That was another thing. Albert did say that he kind of mentioned that after he mentioned the Tannehill thing, he said, yeah, there might be one or two wild cards out there. And I was like, I know we can't tell us, but I just want to know what (laughs) Because I'm at like Baltimore and Tennessee are, are wild cards, but they're known wild cards. I'm curious what jobs out there are what what quarterback positions out there mm-hmm. might be capable of shaking up the NFL. I need it. The off the NFL offseason is my drug. It's our Super Bowl in Cleveland. I'm so ready for it. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.